You're listening to Sports Connections with David Smale, the show that brings you a fun and intimate look into connections throughout sports. Now here's your host, David Smale. There were a lot of inspiring things about the recently completed NCAA basketball tournament. No one captured the nation's attention more than 15 seed St. Peter's. Mike Krzyzewski's run to his 13th and final Final Four was Hollywood-esque. But the most inspiring thing I saw was the pre- on the pregame show on the Sunday before the Elite Eight matchup between Kansas and Miami. CBS did a feature on Bryce Weiler, a young man who has been blind since birth, but still is living his dream of being a broadcaster. Some people with perfect vision can't describe the action as well as Weiler does, but that's not all he does. In addition to his broadcasting career, he is the co-founder of Beautiful Lives Project, which gives people with disabilities the opportunity to actively participate in activities and events that may not have been available to them previously due to physical or facility limitations. So Bryce, welcome to Sports Connections. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me on. All right. When did you first get the idea to become a broadcaster? When I was at the University of Evansville in 2010, Tom Benson, who was in the CBS feature, gave me the opportunity to learn how to analyze games on the radio. He first had me interviewing coaches, and then after that, he taught me how to analyze games on the radio. Okay. Um, And so your first sport was basketball? The first ever game I did was a University of Southern Indiana men's basketball game against the University of Indianapolis in February 2011. Okay. And you've done other sports as well, correct? I've also commentated women's basketball. I've done one volleyball game. I've done college softball, college baseball, minor league baseball. I've been on with the Boston Celtics radio broadcasters for a portion of a game. That, that's a really impressive list. What's your favorite sport to broadcast? I really enjoy commentating women's athletics because those players and coaches do not get the coverage they deserve. And yeah. I enjoy being able to share the story of women's athletes and coaches. Okay. And, and we'll get into that in just a second. But what about the sport itself? Is it basketball? Because you are so close to the action. You can hear. And I know you I, on that feature that talked about, you can hear the, the, the ball turn up the turn down the broadcast to be able to hear the ball bouncing and to be able to get the feel for the game from that is that your favorite the favorite sport itself because you're so close to the action I like a challenge I like commentating soccer the most which is something that I'm not able to do very often but it's huh. a, it's a great challenge with 22 players moving around on the field at one point in time to analyze that and to figure out what is going on. Basketball, baseball, and softball are sports that I can understand better. So they are definitely less of a challenge. Uh, But uh, my friend, (laughs) I'm just amazed at, at the ability. I mean, if I'm I'm trying to, you know, trying to listen to a game and, or watch a game and my wife is talking to me in the other room and I'm looking at her and I'm trying to keep track of the game. That's hard to do. I, I, you know, I no disrespect, but how do you know what's happening in a game enough to share it without list or excuse me, share it with the listeners without being able to see it? Through listening to the play-by-play broadcaster, through discussing with him or her during media timeouts, places where I was confused or where they could have provided more description. I always try very hard not to call the broadcaster out on the radio if there's something I don't understand or they didn't describe well enough, I won't talk about it because I don't want to embarrass them because they might be using this broadcast for their 
demo reels or things like that. The broadcast itself to me really isn't going to necessarily get me anywhere, but I still try to sound as good as I can. The, uh, uh, what I, I'm friends with a lot of radio, radio people who, and more, probably more people who are doing play by play and stuff. And they look at their role to set up the analyst, whether it's a major league baseball, uh, broad play by play guy on the radio, who's trying to set up his, his color guy. And that, that partnership is probably more important with you because you're listening to the action. You're listening to their description of the action. And I guess you're then providing why that happened and how that happened, not what happened. Is that correct? Providing why something happened, how it happened, stats on the players and the coaches. I also study the style of the broadcaster that I'm commentating with uh-huh. to determine whether he or she gives a lot of stories or they give a lot of stats. And so I will tailor what I do on that day's or day or evening's broadcast to suit what the play-by-play broadcaster may not do as well. So the broadcast seems as seamless as possible. I mean, I'm just so impressed. When I saw, as I mentioned, it was the most inspiring thing I saw in the whole tournament. When I saw what, what you were doing with that, uh, that is just, that is so impressive. It, this seems like a silly question, Bryce. But what's the biggest challenge for being a, a, an analyst, uh, not the play-by-play guy, obviously, but the, but the analyst, what's the biggest challenge without being able to see the action? The biggest challenge, there isn't, there's some in the game, such as sometimes, well, all the time, I'm never able to commentate how somebody could have held their arm better for a free throw or <laughs> how they could have set up better to catch a fly ball in center field if it's baseball or softball. So that's the biggest challenge for the games because anytime you bring on somebody who can see, who even halfway knows how to analyze, they're always going to be able to do that better than I can just because I cannot see. But an even greater challenge would be broadcasters really not wanting to give me the opportunity to commentate with them. I've had all sorts of stories done about how I analyze these games and it never leads to more games. There isn't really any new people in radio that I've never talked with before. And not even just about broadcasting, but about say, making radio companies' social media accounts more accessible or how a website could be made more accessible. There really isn't new people in radio that I've never spoke with before from the major corporations that run radio stations or, or even some of the lesser-known ones. That's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but there's still, uh, even in this day and age, there's still some, uh, I don't want to say prejudice, but some some barriers that people aren't willing to recognize that you can contribute something in spite of your disability. Yes. And and that's why I try to talk about more than just my radio broadcasting when I go on the radio, because I know that the game that I have will probably not lead to another game. For example, I have no idea when my next game is going to be. Okay. And that's, that's normally how it goes. Okay. Um, Look, before we get into what you're doing with Beautiful Lives Project, and I think that is a fabulous uh, foundation, um, you've, you've probably broadcast some pretty exciting events or some pretty exciting games. What's the most exciting game or event that you've broadcasted? I don't have one that stands out. I mean, every time that I'm able to commentate a game or somebody gives me the opportunity, I am just grateful for that. I was able to commentate 90 games at Evansville. When I was out with the New Britain Bees as a part of the Beautiful Lives Project, I was able to do 50 to 55 games over three years. 
So I've done 154 games right now in total. That means over the past eight years, not including those two places, I've only been able to do 10 games. So every time that I'm able to do a game, I'm just grateful for that opportunity. And I, I know that you're spending a lot of your time, most of your time probably with Beautiful Lives Project. But if the opportunities were there, how far could you go with this career? Well, I could commentate games at, at any level people would let me in baseball or college basketball or football might be a little challenging, but I'd be willing to try it and to get yeah. better at, at understanding it. But I guess the hardest thing is, is there's not any new people for me to email in radio. It's the same staff, just as when I try to convince a company or a sports team to become more accessible. If the company or the sports team doesn't really want to do it and it's the same staff year after year, nothing's going to change. Hmm. And is that kind of what the Beautiful Lives Project is? It, not only helping people with disabilities, but, but basically uh, causing change within the, the uh, I'm not sure how to describe it, within the industry for people without disabilities or talking to those people without disabilities to realize that they're being exclusive unnecessarily? The Beautiful Lives Project works to set up life-changing moments for people with disabilities in sports or performing with cheerleading teams or dance teams or events in, in music or art, such as painting or sculpture. We don't limit ourselves just to sports because okay. we have realized that you can't change a person's mind. If they don't want to do an event, they may never do an event with you. Even if I send them emails about other teams who have done it, Mm -hmm. they they still may never change their mind. I've only had a couple coaches, whether it be at colleges or high schools or wherever, who have changed their mind after I have re-emailed them about other events that I've done with teams. Mm -hmm. Normally, someone has a stance on this and they normally stick to it, but I still try to share what I'm doing with them, share the, the CBS sports video with people to see if it changes other people's minds. Uh, what did you think about the feature that CBS did on you? you I know and as you and I exchanged emails, you said that Jim Nance was the one that uh, pushed to have that on the air. What did you think of the, the feature? Mr. Nance helped set that up. He's been a supporter of mine and a supporter of other individuals who have disabilities to help them to have success in life. I was very happy that that CBS Sports included the Beautiful Lives Project in the feature because so often the media just wants to portray me as a blind sports broadcaster. Right. And people think that's, that's really interesting how I do that. But since it doesn't really lead me to get more games, I don't mind having that in there, but I'm really happy that that CBS came to cover the quarter dreams event at only central college and that they were willing to share about the importance of giving people who have disabilities opportunities. They had great quotes in there from, Coach Simmons, from why he let me sit on his basketball bench, that's often something that gets overlooked in stories. And I was really grateful for that extra coverage. I understood why they put my work as a blind sports broadcaster in there. It didn't bother me because they included all the other things. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reaction of the four guys on the set, and I'm, I'm good friends with Clark Kellogg and recently got to uh, interview um, Charles Barkley. Uh, saw Kenny, Kenny, the jet Smith play basketball in high school. Um, but the reaction of those guys to the feature, 
was almost as inspiring as a feature itself. They were, I mean, they, you know, here they are, we're all successful professional athletes and they were inspired by what you have accomplished, not only the broadcasting side, but in setting up a beautiful lives project. So did you, were you listening when the, when they did the feature and then hear, hear their reaction as well? I enjoyed hearing Mr. Kellogg, Mr. Smith, Mr. Barkley, and Mr. Gumble speaking about Beautiful Lives Project. And, and that's something that I've learned about athletes and coaches. Those are the type of people that I'm friends with in sport. It's people yeah. who, who realize that there's more important things in life than, than winning a game. And not every athlete and coach is that way. Yeah. And while I was happy with their reaction, I hope that showed the rest of the country who probably gets on some of those four individuals for things they might say or, or their thoughts about certain things that they're actual people and they have feelings. That's, that's the greatest thing that I've learned whenever I was at Evansville was, was being able to spend time with the opposing coaches. I'm not sure if they showed footage of Ben Jacobson, the Northern Iowa coach shooting free throws with me, but Evansville was playing Northern Iowa on the day when I came down to, to have CBS film me shooting at the Ford center and sitting on the bench and, and whatever video shots they may have shown. And through that, Ben Jacobson skipped his film session so he could come out and shoot free throws with me, just like he did before every single time Northern Iowa played at Evansville. That's pretty cool. And for those who are listening to this, uh, that uh, didn't get to see that feature. It's up on YouTube. It's up all over the place. Just to uh, just search for uh, Bryce Weiler, W-E-I-L-E-R. And you first thing that comes up is the CBS video on Google. So search for that. You'll be impressed. I, I promise you that. Bryce, how did you come up with the idea for Beautiful Lives Project? I came up with the idea through Marty Simmons, giving me the opportunity to sit on his Evansville basketball bench and I wanted to be able to give back to help people who have disabilities to have their own life-changing moments and experiences. I emailed Anthony Eichavon, who was owning the New Britain Bees baseball team out in Connecticut in 2017. I explained to Anthony how sitting on the Evansville men's basketball bench had changed my life and that I wanted to be able to give back and to help people with disabilities to live their dreams. And Anthony was gracious enough to give me that opportunity. Okay. And then talk about the people who, who basically have helped you get it started. I know you've got a, a CEO on staff and there's a pretty good sized staff uh, for an, uh, a nonprofit organization. The people who helped you get it started and the people who run it now, just give us a little, uh, little color analyst <laughs> analysis of, of the different people that, uh, that help you with this. Tony Gianfrido is our executive director. He does a great job. He runs events on the East Coast. I find some events for him with soccer teams or cheerleading teams. Then I find people to go to, go to them and he goes and covers it and talks to the media. He sets up his, his um, own events. He also does all of our fundraising and he puts all of the donations we get at beautifullives.org to helping provide items at events for people with disabilities, such as specialized equipment or sign language interpreters. Stacy Apple is in Dallas, Texas. She runs great events for people with disabilities out there. She always has a fashion show for people who have disabilities on the 4th of July weekend in McKinney, Texas. This is her second annual this year. Bridget helps Stacy out in Texas. Sal Scarpati 
is our Connecticut chapter president, and he's doing events for people with disabilities in Connecticut and assisting Tony. And then I do events in the Midwest or, or all across the country, wherever I can get one set up. And I either have one of my friends go cover it, or I find volunteers to go cover it and talk to the media. Okay. Um, what are some of the highlights of your work? I know that, I mean, probably if I ask you a general question, what are the highlights of your professional life? You're going to talk about highlights with Beautiful Lives Project, probably way more than, you know, broadcasting a game. So what are some of the highlights of your work with Beautiful Lives Project? I would say that every event is important. I'm not going to pick one over the other because whether we have three people or 85, which is the most that I've had at an event, we always help them to have a good time. I will tell you about the day where we had 85 people, though. That was at the USA Nationals event put on by Triple Crown Sports in 2019. Dan Wolken from USA Today wrote a great article covering that day. And we had people with disabilities playing on three softball fields simultaneously with AAU high school softball players from across the country. One of those fields was where beat baseball was being played, which is the blind form of right. baseball where participants have to wear a blindfold. And so these high-level AAU softball players were trying to hit a ball that was beeping and being pitched to them. And that was a really life-changing experience for those players and coaches. Then on the other two fields that day in coming Georgia, we had people with other disabilities getting the opportunity to experience softball. So that was an event that stands out to me, but I, I can't put that over all the other ones that I've done because that wouldn't be fair to the other participants across the country. It was just a challenge to get 85 people separated on to the three fields. But once they were there, it all ran smoothly. I'm sure. And, and it's interesting. You, you talked about putting, you know, putting blindfolds on the, uh, you know, the AAU level athletes. I, I've, I've gone to different events like, pardon me, like wheelchair softball, uh, where people without physical disabilities have to play the game or wheelchair basketball, either one of those, uh, play it in a wheelchair or, or people that are not visually impaired playing beatball. Uh, I'm friends with a guy here uh, named Jamie Bluma here in Kansas City who, who raises funds. He's got a child with uh, visual impaired. And he, uh, you know, he runs a, a tournament for people and people who can see have to wear the blindfolds. It, I think the great thing behind that concept is it helps people without a particular disability recognize how people with that disability have, have overcome it. And it may inspire those people to overcome any challenges because we all have disabilities. They may not be as obvious as somebody who can't see or somebody who can't hear or somebody who can't walk, but we all have disabilities. We all have challenges to overcome and doing something like those events helps recognize the, the challenges that are there, but the strength and the courage that it takes to overcome them. It's important to give the athletes and the coaches that opportunity, especially at the AAU level, because coaches get so obsessed about the results at the, the AAU level. So giving those athletes and coaches that opportunity that night, that really changed how those coaches and players thought about the whole tournament in Georgia and their future tournament schedules. I still talk to athletes and some of the coaches from that tournament. 
That, that's great. Um, what are your what are your long term goals with the project? I'm sure you don't have a an end result, but but you know long term goals. What do you hope to accomplish with uh, Beautiful Lives Project? I hope to set up as many events and programs as possible throughout the country with whoever wants to do it, whether it be a cheerleading coach, a dance coach, high school teams, college teams, professional teams, doing things for people with disabilities to experience music with singers and bands and high schools and colleges. If there's somebody who wants to help someone with a disability to make their dream come true, I'd love to have them email me. My email is Bryce at beautifullives.org, B-R-Y-C-E at beautifullives.org. People could also go to our website and watch some videos. If they'd like to donate, that would be great as well to help us with our events throughout the country. I just want to help people who have disabilities to make their dreams come true and to break down some of the stereotypes that face people with various disabilities in the country. Well, you answered my next question, which was how do people get involved? Is fundraising an important part of what you do? Fundraising is a very important part because that allows us to buy the items that we need for events and programs such as sign language, interpreting services, or specialized equipment. And that also gives me the opportunity to come to some of the events that I set up throughout the country because the people taking part who have disabilities and the parents and the caregivers, they're always disappointed when I'm not able to be at the events and sometimes I'm not able to go just due to our budgetary constraints. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you play, how did you become such a sports fan? Did you play like beatball or, or things like that growing up? Or did you, was it just listening to games on the radio? I grew up listening to Brian Barnhart commentating fighting Illini football and basketball. Don Fisher commentating Indiana Hoosiers football and basketball. Those two broadcasters created visual pictures in my head of the game taking place on the court or the field. Hmm. And then it was really expanded upon by coach Simmons, giving me the opportunity to be on his Evansville basketball bench and experience college basketball. So what I'm hearing from you, Bryce, is the message is if you're, if you encounter somebody with a disability, forget the disability, empower them. Is that a good way of summarizing what your goal is? Empowering them, yes, but also giving them opportunities. There's no reason why every single high school and college coach in this country, whether it's basketball, baseball, or softball, whatever the sport might be, can't have one or two people who have disabilities around their team for a whole season or for part of a season or for a single game. It shouldn't be so interesting and shocking that Coach Simmons let me sit on his basketball bench for four years. I hope one day that becomes a common thing throughout athletics at the high school level and college level, and maybe even in some professional sports where that could be done, maybe in the NBA or the NFL or Major League Soccer. Yeah, I mean, the, your story is, is so inspiring because it's unique, and it shouldn't be unique. I mean, the, the reason there's the Rooney rule in the NFL about hiring minorities is because the NFL doesn't hire enough minorities. It, people should just be able to look past that disability and see – that whoever that this person has skills, let's use those skills. Let's give them the opportunity, but let's let them help us be better. People with disabilities have had to overcome a lot of obstacles and challenges, and they can teach people who do not have disabilities the opportunity of valuing others and the opportunity of just valuing being able to have a successful life every day and to do things that they dream about doing. And those are 
often things that people who do not have disabilities don't really think about every day. They don't value the people who bag their groceries at the grocery store or the staff who waits on them at McDonald's or the other restaurants. And people valued those individuals when the pandemic started two years ago. But with the country opening back up now, those individuals in some ways have slipped back to the stature that they had before, which is unfortunate because those are some of the most important people who help this country be successful every day. Yeah, yeah. I like to wrap up my interviews on the podcast with two things. First of all, talk about your family. I have three little sisters, Kinsey, who's 18, Kirsten, who's 16, and then my youngest one is 14. My mom's name is Lisa. My father's name is Kenny. Khalees is my youngest sister, who's 14, who's in uh, eighth grade currently. Okay. Are they active in sports? My sisters, all three of them play basketball. Kenzie just finished her senior season. Kirsten is a sophomore right now. She'll be a junior next year. And then my youngest sister will be transitioning into high school basketball. Uh, Khalees will from eighth grade to a freshman. Okay. How, how do they help you with what you're doing and, and how are they inspired by what you're doing? I think they are able to really see the value of not allowing obstacles to stand in your way, which mm-hmm. is something that all athletes have to face in basketball or in other sports. And then they will work with me on my free throw shooting whenever we have times that when I go to a game, I can quickly make a few and figure out how the ball bounces off the rim and just get to hear that ball go through the net so I can better gauge the basket. Because if I stood there and missed for five or 10 minutes, that wouldn't really help me. Yeah. Have you broadcasted any of your sister's games? I was able to commentate Kinsey's first ever varsity game on December 10th, 2018, which was a lot of fun and something that really meant a lot to me that our local radio station here in Olney, Illinois, 92.9 WSEI gave me that opportunity to commentate with my good friend, Steve Hoff, someone who I grew up listening to commentating only Lady Tigers basketball. He, he's been commentating games here for over 20 or 25 years. So I'm guessing if I could re-ask that, that question earlier about the highlights of your broadcasting career, it would be broadcasting your sister's first varsity game. I mean, commentating my sister's game was important to me, but I mean, I can't put that over other games. I mean, yeah, it was important, but you know, I still stand by what I said earlier. Every single game is, is just as important to me. Was it, was it special that I got to do our first game? Yeah, it was, but I can't, I can't put that over the first ever game that I'd ever done because had I not had, 140 previous games before that I wouldn't have done as well when I was working with Steve Hoff that day and in 2018. Okay. Last question that I, and you can interpret the question however you want, answer it however you want, but I like to finish up with what's your legacy. I hope that I am able to show people the importance of giving back to others and that you should never take opportunities for granted in your life just because someone does not want to, allow you to do something that you think you should be able to do or have an experience that you think you should be able to have, find someone else who wants to allow you to do that and find someone else who wants to give you that opportunity.
All right. Well, Bryce, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for uh, joining me and uh, look forward to catching up with you sometime at an event. Uh, and if not, we'll just communicate uh, over the coming months and, and weeks uh, through email. Thank you so much, David, for having me on. Thanks for listening to Sports Connections with David Smale. Make sure to subscribe, follow, and rate the show from your favorite podcast platform. You can learn more about David Smale and his work by visiting davidsmalebooks.com. Don't forget to join us weekly for new episodes. Until next time.